I think the more that we are able to admit that we will struggle, the more we can really relish the times of joy. Welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and on the podcast this week is Sarah McNally. She's the owner of Constellation & Co. It's a letterpress stationery company and brick-and-mortar gift shop located in the Seattle Fisherman's Terminal. And Constellation & Co. uses the power of words and the magic of snail mail to connect people and make us all feel less alone because isn't that what it's really all about when we share our connected experiences and the moments of both joy and victory but also struggle and difficulty we can really come together and this is how we build community this is how we create deeper and more impactful and honest conversations i was so excited to sit down with sarah and to have this conversation with her because her line of cards and gifts are inspired by the events and occasions in life that are really made sweet by close, honest relationships. And Sarah's work at Constellation & Co. is really built for sharing joy and holding our loved ones close in the middle of both celebration, but also in the middle of difficulty and pain. And in this week's new episode, Sarah and I chat all about the connection between mental health and entrepreneurship. I think this is a conversation that was really long overdue, so I'm so happy that Sarah and I had it. We talk about her mental health journey and how it continues to really inspire what she creates and shares. Sarah shares with us how she takes care of her mental health and wellness as a business owner and a mom, why we need to really be honest about what we're experiencing and embracing discomfort as a gift. We talk about vulnerability as our superpower, the power of words and empathy and changing our markers of success and growth and really learning to embrace our vulnerability and celebrate every single aspect of our journey. Plus, Sarah shares with us her journey with entrepreneurship, her someday dream that became Constellation & Co., the impact her business has had on her life, joy, and just so much more. It was so much fun to have this conversation with Sarah, and I can't wait to hear what you think. And we're doing a giveaway on our Instagram page this week to celebrate our conversation with Sarah. We're giving away 12, yes, 12 of her favorite encouragement cards. So head on over to Instagram. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast to enter before it closes on September 13th. You guys are such an important part of this conversation and I would love to hear from you. So make sure to join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere and you guys know what to do. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your love and support of the show is everything and we're coming up on two years of Seek the Joy Podcast and so I'm so excited excited to celebrate with you guys. 
Sarah truly believes that we're all better when we're working together. And this was such a fun conversation to have and so important to talk about mental health and its connection to entrepreneurship and empathy and the power of words. And so I'm excited to share this one with you guys. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Sarah McNally of Constellation & Co. excited to have you on the show. When did you start Constellation and Co? And um, when did you get started with all of this? Well, I graduated in 2009 from college and faced just a terrible economy. <laughs> so that, that was, was a bad time. It was bad. It was a rough time. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't matter where you went to school or what your grades were. There just weren't jobs for um, for newbies in most fields. So I definitely had a, a struggle trying to figure out what to do. And thankfully, I grew up with parents that were entrepreneurs that owned their own business for a long time. So it felt right to me. It made sense to to try to start something. And I basically had the dream of starting Constellation of my someday dream, my when I'm older, when I'm wiser, when I have more hmm. money, I will start this thing. And then life took a different turn and it was the thing that I needed to do right then. Yeah. So I started at 22 and um, basically started taking clients for weddings, uh, bought my first printing press and reversed it and um, just started from there. And I did about four years of all totally just custom wedding invitations and then took a severe left turn into the greeting card world, started selling wholesale and um, focusing in on products versus services and have been running very hard down that road ever since. Wow. That's so cool. Do you feel like having parents as entrepreneurs helped kind of open this door for you in a way that, you know, made entrepreneurship look like it was something that you could do. I I always wonder about this, if what our parents did or our grandparents or our aunts or our uncles, you know, just sort of what we were exposed to, if, if, if that makes a difference, you know, in terms of what we think is, is kind of possible. Absolutely. I don't remember my parents ever talking about me starting a business. I don't remember ever being encouraged or pushed that way. Yeah. But when the rubber hit the road for me in my career, I had watched that work. I had mm. watched it happen through my life. So it felt very logical to to give it a try because I had seen it work. And I think that's a privilege in and of itself to yeah. have witnessed it acted out. And as a parent now myself, I've certainly learned, if nothing else, that our kids learn from what we do and not really from what we say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think in that way, it was, it was really formative for me to, to watch them, not just the, the high points of running a business, but to also see the low points and the struggles. And so I think that really set me up for success in, in what I was expecting. I knew that yeah. it was going to be a hard road. Yeah. I love that because often we, we only see the super positive, right? Exciting, um, sort of like sexy parts of entrepreneurship, right? Like those moments where you're on top of the world and you're selling out and you just debuted a new product and, you know, all of those moments that I think are really showcased, but we often don't talk about or share sort of those lower moments or those in-between moments where there, there are those growing pains and you're learning the ins and outs of your business. And, and so the opportunity, I think, to see both, but then also to talk pretty openly about both, I think is really important. Absolutely. And 
I think I tried to be an aspirational brand for a long time. <laughs> I really wanted people to look at my life and go, wow, she's doing something right. That must be great. And, and realized very quickly along the way that that's not how I was made. That's not who I am. And that's not how I connect with people. Yeah. And actually one of the funnier things that's happened to me in business is last summer. Um, it wasn't funny at the time at all, but I kind of hit the end of my rope. It had been a really long year. Um, and we had gone through like a major loss midway through the year and just had had a really rough time. Mm -hmm. And I got to the end of another really bad week last summer and just kind of hit the end of my rope. And I just sat in my living room and cried for about an hour, just Mm. wanting to give up, um, wanting to just not be the boss anymore. And I walked into the bathroom and saw that my, my mascara had run down my face, like, like a rom-com. Like it was (laughs) straight out of a movie. Exactly. The perfect, like, streaky girl uh-huh. who just got dumped on the bachelor kind of yeah. uh, mascara. And I took, I just spontaneously took a selfie and I posted it to Instagram with a caption about how we don't ever show this part of running a business, the part mm-hmm. where you cry yourself sick over decisions you've made and struggles and how it's hard to leave my son go to work and then deal with customers that are upset about every choice I've made. Mm -hmm. And and it's just, it can be such a hard, it can be such a hard thing. But that was the, basically the one and only ever time I've ever gone viral. Oh my God. (laughs) That post took off. People I had, can't remember the numbers were, but it was like something crazy, like, like 5,000 people liked it. It was over a thousand comments and it was getting shared on stories and I was finding it everywhere. And it was just so funny to me, not, not surprising. Cause I think I've learned enough at this point to know that vulnerability is my superpower, mm-hmm. but it was just so funny that in all of my years of trying to make good choices and be successful and, and be wise and share the things that I've learned, what really resonated with people was this is really hard and it's okay if you're struggling because you're not the only one. You're not the only one. That's that's the reminder that we all need, right? You're not alone. You're not the only one experiencing this. And I think the more that we do show and share images like that one that went viral, I think it changes the conversation and allows other people to kind of step forward and be vulnerable with themselves too, right? I think like the more that we show what's really going on, other people feel more comfortable, you know, doing the same. Absolutely. I think that's that's one of the biggest lies that specifically in our country we face is that if you're doing the right thing, it should be easy and it should be fun and you shouldn't struggle. Mm. And, and my life has taught me that if you're doing the right thing, it will be joyful and wonderful a lot of the time, but you will also struggle mm-hmm. and that will happen. And that's, that's true of marriage. It's true of parenting and friendship. Could not could not have planned my life better to be at this point that I am right now. I love my life. I'm so Mm. glad to be me when I wake up in the morning, but it is still a struggle. There are still struggles throughout the day and there will always be struggles. And I think the more that we are able to admit that we will struggle, the more we can really relish the times of joy. Mm -hmm. Because I think for me, I don't feel joyful when everything is going my way. I am waiting for the shoe to drop. Mm. I'm waiting for the next thing to go wrong. When I'm really joyful is when I have completely embraced the fact that in five minutes, someone might be screaming, like a toddler might be throwing a fit. (laughs) The dog might crap on the rug. 
I might get like a call from an employee that's not great. Like that might happen within five minutes. But right now, right here, I am enjoying exactly where I'm at. Mm. That's that's joy for me. Is it embracing yeah. both in in the moment? We have to embrace both ends of the spectrum because both ends of the spectrum is is really what makes us human and what makes this journey, I think, so unique. And and I think it's the lessons too within those moments of struggle that help to build, you know, build you into the person that you want to be, help you build your business right in the direction that you want to build it. So even in those lower moments, the lessons and the gifts that are within that struggle. It, it prepares you, I think, for what's next. And, and like you so beautifully shared, you know, it allows you to better embrace and maybe embrace more, you know, wholeheartedly those moments of joy that you experience throughout the day too. Because I mean, I have people who say this to me all the time, like your, your podcast is a Seek the Joy podcast. You must be happy all the time. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> I am the first person to admit that I am more often than not in, not in that joy. I'm not, I'm in that overwhelm. I'm in the anxiety. I'm in, you know, the day to day grind of what real life is, but it's a constant choice to seek that joy and to want to embrace it and to bring more of it into, into my life and into all of our lives. And so I think the more that we, you know, talk openly about this, it's just, it's so important. It's just such a game changer. And you're right. Vulnerability is our superpower. It's just a beautiful opportunity for relationship when we're vulnerable. Yeah. When, when the person next to us recognizes that what they're struggling with is, is similar to what we're struggling with, it, it just, it, it opens up so many opportunities. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. And I, I'm, this is kind of bringing me back to something that you said a little bit earlier uh, in our conversation that for the longest time, you really wanted to be sort of this aspirational brand, right? Where people could look at you and be like, look how great she's doing. And look how like this is all seamlessly coming together. Was it in that moment last summer when you posted that selfie, when it resonated with so many people? Was that when you really realized like, no, like it's not about being aspirational in a perfection sense. It's about being aspirational sort of in this more vulnerability, being authentic, being real, like showing people like what what's really going on. Was that part of the shift for you or, or did it happen a little bit before or after that? I think it was definitely a piece of the puzzle. Um, I the last five or six years for me, I've been through quite a few things um, with infertility and pursuing adoption and losing a close friend. And so mm. I've been through all of these difficult things and I've learned a lot from them and I've brought a lot of those lessons to the products that I make. So my greeting cards are very um, inspired by those struggles in life and the real life experiences and the good advice and bad advice mm -hmm. that people have given me. Um, but it's something different for me to make a product that is a third thing, this thing over here. I made it, but it's not me mm. versus showing me struggling right now. Like the, that's very different. So I think I had gotten really comfortable with putting all of my struggle somewhere else for someone to look at versus just like opening it up and showing exactly where I'm at. And yeah. I think that's been a big part of the journey for me. And last year in the midst of the worst year ever, I wrote my first book. And so I put literally 50,000 words on the page wow. in the worst place I'd ever been. And, and I have seen it, it's not even out yet, but the process of writing it was so beautiful and so important in being vulnerable and, and showing all of it. Um, and then, you know, being a guest on podcast has been great for mm -hmm. me to, 
to talk with great people about the things that I'm learning. And um, also last year I started a YouTube channel and that was another big step of, wow, I'm not just showing my product or my business or a carefully tuned and edited photo mm-hmm. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm literally sitting in front of a camera in all of my awkwardness and all of my goofiness for <laughs> sometimes like 30 minutes and oh just my talking. And that has been a very good for me as well in peeling back the layers and just showing the person behind the products, person behind the brand and um, being really honest. And I think that's been, those have all been important. Yeah allowing yourself really to be seen and your words to be seen and your journey to be seen. I think that's so cool. Uh, Just to go in front of like a camera, that's like (laughs) another layer, right? Another level of allowing yourself and your emotions to be seen. And even through this process of writing your book. And so what has it been like for you to really share your journey through these cards, through these words, to put them out there? Like what kind of impact has that had on you to, to really, like you said, share so much of yourself, but it's also, you know, kind of like a third party, a third piece. I I, I would love to know, you know, what has that been like? I think it's been really good for me. I think I'm my harshest critic. And when I'm struggling, I can be (laughs) the worst to myself. Mm. But in that moment, what I'll usually do is pull out my sketchbook and my fountain pen because I'm old school. And, love it, love it. And and I'll I'll write down the words that I wish I could believe in that moment. The 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 kind words, the encouraging words that I wish someone could give to me when I was feeling that way. And then I give them to someone else. And that for me has been huge because I get to experience someone buying the card and telling me about the person that they're buying it for. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes it's hard with people. We love to tell them how we're feeling and what we want to give them, the kindness we want to give them. But it's really easy for people to tell me the kindness they want to give to their friend. And, and that, that makes a difference in Mm -hmm. my own mental health and my own personal journey that that really makes a difference. And then I get to hear sometimes from the the end person, the person who receives mm-hmm. the thing and takes a picture of it and shares it on Instagram and tags us and talks about how much those words meant to them. And I hear stories all the time of people who like tape them on their mirror. So they see wow. them every day yeah. or keep them for years. And, and hearing that my words make a difference in other people's lives gives my words a little bit more credit and credence in my own mind when <laughs> I'm struggling, which is crazy because right? they're the same words, <laughs> but somehow having someone else be receiving benefit from what my brain does Mm -hmm. because my brain can be awful too. I have a very imaginative brain and a very anxious and depressive brain. So knowing that my brain is capable of beauty and joy Mm -hmm. and encouragement and hope and light really helps balance out the other parts of my brain that, that don't feel capable of those things. Yeah. That's really interesting what you just shared, because I think sometimes we look for that validation of our experiences from other people, right? So like you shared, like your, these are your words. This is your experience. You're putting it down on paper. But then the minute that someone comes to you and says, Hey, this really resonated for me, or they're sharing their experience with you or, or putting it up on their mirror, it sort of validates what you went through and then also validates it for, for themselves too. I think it's really interesting how often, you know, we, we seek or we look for that validation of, of our own feelings, of our own experiences, you know, from, from someone else 
who, who resonates. It's, I haven't totally been able to unpack that for myself as to why we do that, but it's really Mm -hmm. an interesting component of mental health and wellness and, and this journey of, of growing within yourself and realizing like, Hey, I, I can be anxious. I can have moments where I'm depressed or, or, you know, OCD or whatever it might be, but it's valid just because it's my experience. I don't need, you know, that external validation. It's, it's something I'm still working with, like trying to figure out for myself too, but it's really interesting to hear that that's been part of your experience too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of what's been helpful for me as I've moved through it is I have a great therapist Mm. and she just, she is like such a beautiful force of health in my life. And I don't get to see her as often as I'd like life is crazy, but at least once a month I go and talk to her and, and I've been doing that for, oh wow, it's been about four years now. And, and for me, therapy isn't something that I am trying to graduate. It's something Mm. that I recognize as like, you don't go to the gym once a year and hope that's good enough for your body. So I don't go to my therapist, you know, only occasionally and hope that's good enough for my mind. Like it helps me so much to have something scheduled on the calendar, time set aside to talk and to think about how I'm doing and to unpack stuff. So that's been huge for me because having someone who is literally trained, (laughs) trained Mm -hmm. to recognize if what I'm thinking is crazy (laughs) and to have her say, this is normal. This is okay. Yeah. And having like that external third party, like unbiased, objective opinion, like someone who has no stake in the game, right? Who can, who can just listen and be there for you. I I was going to ask you, you know, what do you do to take care of your mental health and wellness, you know, as both like a mom and a woman and a business owner. And it sounds like therapy plays, plays a big role in that. Yeah. Therapy. Um, I, I'm, I take an antidepressant. That's something they actually just started this year, and that's been really helpful. It helps me sleep, and it helps just regulate how things are going. And I try to be um, honest about that because it's not just like I, I write the good, good enough words and then I'm good. Like mm. there's other parts of the thing. But I do, like I said, I I always grab a pen and a sketchbook, and I write the ugly stuff out. And I write the good stuff too. But for me, the physicality of writing with a pen and getting the words out of my brain and onto a piece of paper is so healing for me, so helpful. And I also go back and reread my my journals. And there's so many times that I've found a great product idea that mm. when I wrote it, I hated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or I will find something from a few months ago that I was stewing on and stressed about that I can watch now that with the perspective of being in the future, I can see how it worked out. And we forget that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I always forget the stuff I was worried about a year ago or two years ago or five years ago, but I have all those notebooks. And when I go back, I can see how things work out. And I think that helps too, having the perspective of previous times yeah. I freaked out and then it worked out okay. Like, yeah. It doesn't always take the anxiety away, but it helps. It helps to have literal case studies from my own life. I was going to say, it's like literally <laughs> like those moments that you can prove to yourself that everything was okay and yes. that everything turned out okay. Because I think whether it's in business or it's our personal life in general, we spend so much time worrying about how something is going to play out. Will it work out? Will I be okay? Will they receive this? Will so- will someone buy this? I mean, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, And so the opportunity to journal it for yourself and have that actual like moment of reflection where you can go back and see like, 
everything was okay. And I think that's why there's so much value in, um, even though you're in that space of anxiety or overwhelm or fear doing the thing anyway, because at the end of the day, you get to prove to yourself that you were able to do it, that you pushed yourself, that no matter the outcome, like I went for it. And then, you know, if you write it down, you have the benefit of going back and looking at it later and saying, all right, I did the thing. I was scared shitless, but I did the thing, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's huge. Yeah. I recently found a notebook that I had written on about two pages of, which usually would make me feel a whole lot of shame because I have a lot of half-finished notebooks in my life. Mm. But I, I picked it up and I had written a series of goals in 2013 for what I wanted for my life and my business. And then I had gone back, I don't even remember doing this, but I'd gone back about a year later and updated it and checked off a few and added a few more. And now so many years have gone by from, you know, 2014 to now yeah. that most of those things on the list I had done. And wow. I- I really didn't even recognize along the way that I was doing that, that I was checking things off. And if we don't write down our goals or our fears or any of the things like that, we don't have the benefit of being able to go back and see how far we've come. Because mm-hmm. I don't think we give ourselves credit for our progress. And we're we're really doing it. We're making progress. Yeah, you're right. We don't give ourselves credit for our progress. And I think we need to do more of that because I think we can get so stuck in the things that we haven't done, in who we aren't, who who we haven't become. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think I've always had these different benchmarkers in my life of where I wanted to be in my career, where I wanted to be in my personal life. And then, you know, the year comes where you had that benchmarker and it's like, um, I'm not there. <laughs> and then I feel bad yeah. about myself. And then, you know, you focus on what you haven't done, who you aren't, the have nots, rather than look at what I have done. Look at what I have accomplished. Look at who I am, just who I am as a person, the relationships I have in my life, the friends, the family, the good. And I think we need to make more markers in our life of like opportunities to look at how far we've come, who we actually are versus, you know, focusing on the things I haven't done or where I'm not Absolutely, those markers and giving yourself more credit. It almost makes me just want to start making a list of like all the things I have done and looking Mm -hmm. at how far I've come, like kind of making those, you know, like end of year sort of credit list. I don't know what I want to call it, but that would be so powerful to do. When my son was really small, um, he's four and a half now he can do, you know, he can take himself to the potty and get dressed and all that cool stuff. <laughs> he's but when a, he's he was practically really little, a grown up now. <laughs> yeah, amazing. But when he was really little, I would at the end of the day make a list of everything I did that day because going from being a full-time little bit of a workaholic person to a full-time mom with a yeah. full-time job because I was able to work from home, thankfully. Um, but I would get to the end of the day and, and literally look in the mirror and say, I did nothing today. I got mm. nothing done. But when I sat down and wrote all the things that I did, including the things with my son, including conversation with a friend or eating a good, healthy lunch, I included every single thing I did that day. And Every day, every day I did it, I get to the end of the list and feel grateful and feel proud mm-hmm. because I was able to accomplish a lot, even though I didn't finish the one or two tasks completely that I thought I would at the beginning of the day. I knew I could do them tomorrow and giving myself credit for all of the things like you mm-hmm. took 30 minutes and let your sweet little baby sleep on your chest. Mm-hmm. And that I, I 
now that thinking back, like I want to cry because I do not regret any of those moments. Those were so important and they went by so fast. So being able to recognize not even just at the end of the year, but even at the end of the day, sometimes like, like look at what you've accomplished. It's, it's, it is impressive. And I think most of us who are doers and goers and like busy and, you know, making a podcast and doing a thing and working and doing volunteer projects and doing family things. Like we, we do so much and we let our brains talk us out of it. (laughs) All right, guys, taking a brief break from this week's new episode to talk to you about something I'm really excited about and I'm really loving, which is our Seek the Joy Guide to Podcasting and our Seek the Joy Guide to Pitching Guests. I have been so overwhelmed and blown away by not only the response to both guides, but what you guys have already shared with me about the impact that they're having on your podcasting journey and my whole mission and focus with both guides is to really help you get your message off the ground and into the ears of the people that really need to hear it the most. And so I am just so excited to finally launch and share both of these guides and to see them in action as you begin to develop and grow and launch a podcast of your dreams. So head on over to seekthejoypodcast.com slash seekthejoyguides to check them out or hit that link in the show notes. It'll take you right there. And I'm excited to see where you go with this podcasting journey. All right, guys, without further ado, let's head back to this week's new episode. I think we have to shift what those markers of success and accomplishment of and also just like those markers of doing like what they are because sometimes it's enough in any given day just to wake up eat a good meal and and you've already done enough you've already accomplished so much for the day I think the more that we can shift that marker of accomplishment and shift that marker of success for ourselves not only will it change the way we view ourselves but also the way we speak to ourselves and then also you know how we treat ourselves then trickles out into our other relationships. So whether it's with our friends or our family or within our business, you know, the minute you shift something within yourself, it has that ripple, you know, that ripple effect. Absolutely. And, and when I'm in a healthy place, my family is in a healthier place Mm -hmm. and my employees are in a healthier place and my customers are treated with more like enthusiasm and kindness. And it just, it ripples out so very much. And I, I have to kind of take that ripple back when I'm not doing well, because I can see that same ripple and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm struggling. And so my family's struggling and my employees are struggling. And in reality, as long as we are being vulnerable and sharing where we're at as much as we can in the moment, like we are not passing along this, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It feels so toxic when I'm in a, like an anxiety spiral. I feel like, oh no, I'm like shooting this out everywhere. And everyone is like getting hit by these, you know, this anxiety uh, bullet, but it's, if we are honest about how we're doing, then when someone in our life is struggling next week or next month or next year, they're going to know we're a safe place because we have experienced that too. I think that's, that's another thing to give ourselves credit for is even when we're not doing, even when we're struggling, like there is, there is fruit to be, um, 
there's fruits to be had yeah. there too. Yeah. And also making sure that there's that safe space for ourselves to land. I think something that I've struggled with so much is I'm such a doer. And so by default, I end up being that space for other people, but not always yeah. carving out enough time or enough space for me to allow myself for myself to be that safe space to land or to even know, you know, who I can carve out in my life, whether it's a therapist or a friend or a family member, whatever it might be, to make sure I have that space external to myself to land to so that when I am in moments of anxiety or I am in moments of overwhelm, you know, there's, there's somebody for me. And I think often we talk so much about, you know, being there for others, but not really, you know, always enough about being there for ourselves in that way too. Absolutely. And I think when we are in the middle of whatever we're struggling with, that is not the moment to try to carve it out mm. and to find that person or find that, you know, whatever the tools are. I think the the moments we need to be building those things are when we're not in the middle of a freak out and, and, and a huge like rough patch. Yeah. So I think it's important to, to keep investing in those relationships, even when you don't need them, need quote unquote, need them, right. you know, keep hanging out with those friends on good days. Keep, you know, scheduling those therapy appointments, even when you're like, I don't even know what we'll talk about today. Like for me, that's, I know I'm in for it. Cause if I don't know what we're going to talk about today, we're going to get into something deep. <laughs> that's like from a childhood that I was not ready to talk right. about, like stuff that's like way back there. Cause there's never really in life, there's very rarely times where, you know, we, we set that time aside when we're not feeling that yep. like pull for, you know, for struggle. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's, it's a good practice to keep journaling when I'm feeling good and when I'm feeling bad and keep, um, keep all those things rolling through the good and the bad so that it's not like this, this, um, desperate grapple for, helpful things yeah. when we're full of it. Yeah. Preparing, you know, in advance, I think is so yeah. important. How were you able to kind of create that game plan for yourself or how are you sort of able to carve out or create, you know, those safe spaces to land for yourself? Did you like think about it ahead? Was it something that you were really conscious and intentional about or was it going through these moments of struggle and hardship? And were, was it really in those moments that you figured out, you know, who you can rely on or how you can cope and deal, you know, in those moments? Yeah, I think it, that one's more of a uh, listen to what I say, don't do what I do kind of thing. Because I, <laughs> you know, I, I've hit, hit the end of my rope several times in the last few years and then recognized that I need to <laughs> walk backwards a bit and and manufacture the ability to give myself a day mm -hmm. off. And um, I think, honestly, the thing I struggle with more is I have the ability to take a day off anytime I need it, but I don't take it. Mm. Um so scheduling in a day of each week that I do not work um, is important to me. Um, our shop is closed on Mondays, so that's become my day. And my son is home from school on Mondays. So I like try to keep that space sacred for whatever we feel like doing that day. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been important. Um, but honestly, like I, I wouldn't have gone to therapy unless I got to a place where I did not see a way forward. Um, and I, I think some there's so many of those things that like – Sometimes the struggle is a great catalyst for like saying, I can't do this anymore unless something changes and then making change. So I, I think now between sort of the, uh, the rolling waves of struggle mm -hmm. in life, um, now that I'm in a place that's sort of feeling calm, 
it's it's now that I'm kind of thinking back through, okay, what things really helped? What conversations really um, improved how I was doing? What, um, you know, making lists of taking a bath really helps me. That that takes me out of being able to do anything else. Mm-hmm, I have to mm-hmm. sit still. And um, having a fiction book that I can pick up when I'm really struggling really helps me to take me out of my cycle and make me think about someone else's story and things like that. Just being aware and like living in my body, like what makes me feel better? What makes me feel worse? And then as I'm starting to to spiral, kind of going back to that list and going, okay, here are things that I feel like doing because I feel crappy. And here's music I probably shouldn't listen to and podcasts I shouldn't listen to Mm -hmm, right now. mm -hmm. And here are things that will help me feel better. Even if I don't feel like doing them right now, I'm going to try. Start with the first thing on the list and try some of these things. And inevitably, they do help. I just have to kind of get over the hurdle of, of wanting to feel better. Yeah. Sometimes we want to feel better so quickly, but we actually have to allow ourselves to feel what it is we're feeling and experience it so we can move through it and take, I think the lessons and, um, those moments, take it all as part of our journey and work through it to kind of get, you know, to the other side of, you know, how we're feeling. And this, this made me think about something that you said earlier about how you really write from experience that all your cards, the book that you wrote last year, um, it all comes from experience. And so would you say that being so open about your own personal struggles and your mental health and the role that it's played in your life, has that transformed your business? Has it made an impact on your business? Has your business helped you um, with your own struggles and your own journey? What has that relationship been like with your business, I guess, um, throughout all of this? Yeah. We really started to get traction as a business, the more vulnerable I became mm. over the years, mm-hmm. um, because it comes from a real place. And in writing greeting cards, there's there's a greeting card company uh, f- for everyone. <laughs> there are a lot of us. There are a lot of cards out there. There are a lot of places to buy cards. So writing just another birthday card, although I do love my birthday cards too, like that's not why people want to follow us on Instagram and make an extra trip into the store. Like people know, know us because they know that our words will Mm -hmm, help. mm -hmm. They know that our words will be carefully chosen and thoughtful and that we're not going to stomp all over platitudes and we're not going to, you know, you're not going to come into my shop and find something that just says, um, with sympathy. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. that for me doesn't, doesn't cut it. So people know us because they know that we write words for real people, for people who are really struggling. Um, so I think that that's been you transform transformative for the business mm-hmm, and for mm-hmm. me to recognize that this is not something to run away from, but something to embrace and walk towards. Um, and then also I, I have a hard time separating my personal growth from my business growth, Mm. partly because I'm the boss Mm -hmm. and partly because this has been my whole career. Um, I'm 10 years into being out of college, 10 years into my marriage, 10 years into my life in Seattle and all 10 years I have spent building all of those things together. And so I think there's some things about that that are unhealthy. And then there's other (laughs) things about that that are really wonderful because it's really hard not to let your small business be your first baby. Um, And there's, you know, there's, there's good and bads to that. And, and as I've 
moved through the years. And as we've grown, I've been able to delegate more and bring more people in. And um, those things have all been really helpful in having a life that's not totally overshadowed by work. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I don't have a work notebook and a life notebook. I have just <laughs> a notebook and, yeah. you know, in therapy, I talk about my business and I talk about my life and it, there's just not, I don't, I think most people don't live with very clear cut buckets that mm-hmm. different parts of their life live in. I think it all bleeds over. I think so, so too. my personal growth yeah. does correlate to our business growth because when I'm afraid and anxious, I'm not willing to take risks and to try new things and to grow the business. Um, so combating my mental health issues, my anxiety is really important to keep growing mm-hmm. my business. I think that's so interesting what you shared that it all really bleeds over into, you know, business bleeds into personal, personal bleeds into business. I think there's so many conversations out there about how important it is to have balance in your life and to separate, you know, your work life from your personal life. But the truth is, is it all is part of you. And I, so I think it's really hard to, to have that version of balance that so many people talk about. I don't think it's real. I'll be really honest. My personal life bleeds into my work life. My work life bleeds Mm -hmm. into my personal life has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, I work so much. And so it just kind of is what it is. But so instead for me, what I've tried to do is instead of trying to create this artificial sense of balance, which doesn't exist for me, it's more about just really embracing it for what it really is and knowing my limits. So I think it's Mm -hmm. more about the awareness around it, choosing to wrap your arms around it and really embrace it and knowing what your limits are rather than trying to create sort of this, you know, artificial sense of balance, because then when we don't achieve it, we feel like crap. And then we look at all these people out there, they're like, oh, I'm so balanced. I've been able to create balance in in my life. And I'm like, really? Could you show it to me? Because I don't think Uh, it's real. I don't. So I love what you shared. I think it's really an important message and and we need to hear more of it. And I think so many of us that are that work for ourselves or work in small businesses or freelance or whatever in in this gig economy, I think um, we all grew up with this idea that like corporate culture and working nine to five and having that balance and all of that stuff was the way it had to be. And I've found myself so many times making rules for myself that don't make sense. Mm. Like if it makes sense for me to take off the morning to go do something with my son and then work through the afternoon and then work a little more when he goes to bed, like that's okay. Yeah. Like, no one is coming and saying like, you're not working nine to five, like you slacker, you crazy. <laughs> like, no, I get to make my own rules and, and make a life and craft a life that works for me and my family and the way that my brain works. Yep. And, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing things the way that corporate culture dictates, but I don't have to which is a beautiful thing. I think that's what's so beautiful, right, about entrepreneurship is the ability to be innovative within your own space, to be innovative within your own business. And I think the more we try and fit any mold in any part of our life, you know, we're setting ourselves up for burnout. We're setting ourselves up for disappointment. We're setting ourselves up for frustration. And then you're you're more apt to walk away from the thing that you Mm -hmm. love. But the more that you're innovative within your own space and you build your own boundaries and your own hours and what, you know, business looks like for you, I think the more excited you are about it, the more passionate you are about it, and the easier it is to stay in it 
in those difficult moments, in those moments when the shit is hitting the fan, when you're frustrated, when you're like, oh my God, what did I do? You're able to, you know, get yourself fired up again and remember why you started it because you're doing it your way. And I think we need to remember that for sure. Absolutely. One of the most empowering things in my life that I can possibly say to myself is if this isn't working, you can make a change Mm -hmm. until it works. And, and, for me in this current season of my life, I've had to even push that a little farther to say, just because it worked a year ago, doesn't mean it's working now and that's okay. And you can make the changes to make it work for what you want for the future. Yeah. And there's been a lot of things like that where I'm like, oh man, if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing in this aspect of my life or my business, then I must've made a terrible decision to get us to this point. Mm. And it's like, no, no, like there are certain things in my life that for the last five years have been great. And they're not what I want for the next five. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And recognizing that we as people grow and change, and that is a benefit and a good thing. It's a positive sign versus negative. Like I can't, you know, I, I didn't make all of the choices when I was 22 when I started my business that I would make now. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're wrong choices. They're just different. They're different. And, you know, our choices and what we, our knowledge that we have, you know, shifts and grows as we shift and grow and as our businesses and our ventures and our creative projects grow. And, and I think sometimes, you know, we feel so much pressure to hold on so tightly to the way we used to do something before or the way something used to make us feel. But the truth Mm -hmm. is, I I love what you shared. What worked a year ago is not going to work today because you have grown. Your business has grown. The way you look at things, how innovative you are. I mean, everything has shifted. So it's about kind of releasing your grip um, around the way you've done things before and being okay with being flexible and with being malleable. But I will say for me, I mean, as someone who is super anxious most of the time and who struggles with change, you know, it's not easy always to wrap my mind around the fact that I've got to let go a little bit, but I start by letting go just a little and a little and a little, (laughs) right? And those little moments build up into something much more. And before you know it, you've shifted into a new way of approaching something and a new way of being. And so for me, it's about those small steps, you know, to, to, to change how I'm handling something. Uh, because for me to jump all in into something new or handling something new, I'm like, no, no, I'm going to like, do the the, the toe in the water first and then the ankle and then the, you know, it's a process and remembering that it's a process for ourselves is, oh, it's really important. Yeah. And then allowing ourselves to be uncomfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I, I I don't grow when I'm comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm like, I'm good. I'm not getting out of bed. I, it's it's comfortable in here. I'm warm and cozy. Right. But, but when things kind of bubble over and we get that like discomfort, I treat discomfort like like a friend who's shown up to give me some news about my life. Like if I'm uncomfortable, that doesn't mean I should stop doing what I'm doing. It means it's time to move forward mm. in, in some area of my life. It's time to do something differently or it's time to take a new risk or try something new. And so I, in, in my life, discomfort is a little bit, it's, it's like holy. Mm. It's like this holy discontent that that is a, it's like a bellwether to help you see where in your life things can shift and change. And, and I, I don't always like it when it shows up because it usually <laughs> shows up with a, a few doses of anxiety. Oh, but, for sure. Um, I've, I've learned that discomfort and anxiety are, are separate things and, and that discomfort isn't 
isn't bad. Like it's Mm -hmm. not negative in my life. Yeah. It's about recognizing. And I think having that awareness too, that you're even experiencing discomfort versus anxiety. Because I think a Mm -hmm. lot of times those moments of growth and those moments that kind of like knock on the door and say, Hey, it's time to move on. It's time to move up. It's time to go left or time to go right. It, It wears that mask of anxiety. It wears that mask of overwhelm. And so I think it, you know, learning to be aware of it and then to peel back the layers and say, actually, this is just discomfort comfort in stagnation and I'm, I've been on autopilot for too long and it's time to move. But, you know, we all don't really recognize it right away. And it's sometimes it's a process of like pulling back those layers and saying, eh, actually, it, it's time for me to challenge myself. It does appear as anxiety, but it's okay. I can do this. It's a gift, you know, in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. What would your younger self think about what you're doing now? Because I know this was a dream. You shared that this was a <laughs> this was sort yeah. of that dream that you saved for someday. What, what would your younger self, you know, think about all of what you've accomplished and what you're doing and and where you're growing? I think about that a lot, honestly, especially with um, this focus on on snail mail and greeting cards that mm-hmm. that has taken my career to where it is. Like, that was stuff I loved as a little girl. Like that was all the stuff that mm-hmm. that made me feel something when I was tiny. And I I, I think little Sarah would be proud of big Sarah. Mm. I think the part where life trips me up is the steps from there to here looked very different than I expected. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not the destination that's, that's different than what I'd hoped. It's just the steps along the way were longer and harder and more treacherous terrain. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't be who I am without, every single one of those, um, difficult steps. So I'm grateful for them, but I'm grateful for them right now when I'm feeling like I'm in a great place and things are good and I'm happy. Um, I'm not always grateful Mm -hmm. for them when I'm in the middle of like feeling like I'm going to fall off a cliff. Isn't that the Um, truth, (laughs) right? It's so, it's so true, but every step leads you, you know, to exactly where you're meant to be. And I wanted to ask you this a little bit earlier too, but you really do use the power of words to connect people. And I love this piece. And this is what I really resonated with from the beginning is, you know, this reminder, you know, that we're not alone. And so is there a go-to mantra or affirmation or something, you know, that you really hold on to some words that you really hold on to that help you, you know, in both moments, I think of struggle, but then, you know, also in these moments of joy and, you know, peace and, and growth. I probably don't repeat it like a mantra as often as I should, um, but two words that have been really important to me are belligerent hope. Mm. And I put those together because for me, I've learned that hope isn't this like fluffy, floaty, um, I don't know, it's not like a cloud. It's not something that like floats in and is like, ah, yes, wonderful. I'm basked in hope. (laughs) Hope is something I fight for, something that I have to demand, something that I have to protect. And when it comes and when it feels really good, it is demanding in its joy. It is demanding in, in its happiness and excitement. It is not, um, it is not a wilting flower. Like hope for me is belligerent. Mm. And so when I think about that, I think about like, I'm, I may be struggling and I may be feeling terrible, but I am going to cling to belligerent hope and, and believe that it, that it will carry me through. Um, because for me, hope is, hope is where it's at. Mm. You know, hope, hope is aspirational, but hope is also something that it, it can be hard it can be hard because it's, it's hoping in something that's not here yet and, and, and desiring and wanting something that's unseen. Um, 
but, but that, that's it for me. And mm. that's become a thing that I, my friends know about me that, <laughs> um, is, is just like a, it's an idea that, that has been, um, really important in both good days and bad days in my life. I don't know if I've ever heard those two words put together that way, but I think it's powerful because you're right. You have to stay the course. You have to be persistent and belligerent and, and, but not belligerent in like a negative way. It's really about, you know, holding on and staying on the journey and, because hope is not like that fluffy thing. It's really something you've got to cling to and work hard sometimes, uh, Mm -hmm. to cling to that's powerful, belligerent hope. (laughs) Yeah. It it definitely, that word belligerent, I feel like not everybody likes that one and I totally understand it, but it is, (laughs) it paints such a picture of like, no, I'm not moving. I'm not changing. I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to stand right here, no matter what comes at me. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to do it with gusto. Like it is, (laughs) it is an evocative word. With gusto and gumption. I, you know, absolutely. I know that this, everything that you're doing is this dream, is that someday dream, but I've got to ask you the question I ask everyone that comes on the Seek the Joy podcast, and it's, what is your biggest dream? My dream is to keep doing more of what I'm doing. Mm. And um, my dream this summer has been um, a movement towards getting to be home more. Mm. Um, and we're actually, our family is working on buying a house and that it, it'll be our first home that we own. Wow. So that's a big deal. Um, but just putting down roots in a city we love and working to find more creative ways to be together and to bring people into our home, bring friends by and, um, and be outside. And, um, just some of these things about my life that I know is that I need time in quiet for art and for reading and for writing. And I need time outside. Mm -hmm. And I, I know these things about myself. So more of the good stuff that I love about my job and my life and less of the I felt like I should be doing this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm working on making some big changes over the next year. And and that for me is the dream. And to keep getting to do what I do without the parts of it that feel like a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and writing a book was a big dream for me that I would have said for my entire life was a dream. Um, and, and so get it with the editor now. So my dream is to get it finished and to get it published and then to start working on the next one because I really loved that process. Mm. Um, So I think it's a beautiful thing that I can't think of any far off someday dream um, that I really love where I'm at. I really love what I'm doing. And I just want to keep bringing more words to more people Mm -hmm. um, and keep helping more people feel less alone. Um, so just, just more, 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 more. I love, I love this. It's you're walking in your dreams. And I think that is what's so beautiful and so powerful. And everything that you share is so relevant and relatable. And I'm stuck on something you said earlier that these are words for real people. And I think it all really goes back to this importance of feeling understood, of being understood, of stepping into that empathy and that understanding and reminding us, you know, that we're not alone. So I am just, I'm really happy that we connected. Thank you so much for coming on Seek the Joy podcast. I've had the best time. I think you and I could keep going. We could keep talking. Um, I just can't wait for the day that I come up to Seattle and I get to meet you in person and see the store. And where can every Everyone, find you, learn more, um, find your greeting cards and everything that you're doing in your YouTube channel and snail mail and everything. So, yes, Sarah, share with us uh, where everyone can find you and, and learn more. 
Absolutely. Most of all of that good stuff lives on constellationco.com. We are at constellationco on Instagram and Twitter. And on YouTube, I am a snail mail superstar. I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. I will include everything in the show notes uh, for today's episode. We'll make it super easy for everyone to find you. And just thank you. Thanks thank you so, so much, much for this. This has been yeah, so much a wonderful fun. Saturday morning. <laughs> Have a great weekend.